Blog Talk Radio. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Drop that puck! Drop that puck! Drop that puck! Drop that puck! to the Sin Bin with your host, recently returned from his forced deportation to Canada and that country's subsequent refusal to accept him, Paul Rogers! All right, welcome back to... This week's edition of the Seattle Sinbin. I am Paul Rogers, your host, and my co-host Otto Rogers is also with me on the line. Otto, how are you doing tonight? I am doing absolutely fantastic, Paul. How are you? I'm doing great. Doing great. Um, so we've got a good show for everyone tonight, and uh, we're going to open up the broadcast by talking a little uh, uh, Stanley Cup Finals. But we've also got uh, some other things to deal with tonight. Uh, we've got Neil Roberts, who's supposed to call in. He was supposed to call in last week, but we got our wires crossed. But Neil Roberts, uh, who is starting a brand-new podcast for SeattleSimbin.com uh, with a different vision, different content, and uh, just a different style. Uh, we're, he's going to come on, and we're going to talk about his show and what his vision for it is. Um, and then uh, there is a meeting going on at Tequila right now, Otto, about uh, the arena. It is a public scoping meeting. And I know that Chris Daniels is there, and he's live tweeting it. Unfortunately, there's not that many people there, uh, or maybe it's maybe it's not unfortunate. Maybe that's just normal. Uh, maybe Tukwila is just not that big of a deal with the red tape and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, we're going to talk about that later on. Um, but how about we talk about some hockey before we do anything else, Otto? Yeah, let's do that. All right. So um, Stanley Cup uh, final begins tomorrow night. Uh, when the Chicago Blackhawks visit the Tampa Bay Lightning, and uh, I was doing, I was scouring the internet, and I was looking to see who was favored uh, to win this. And CBS Sports had an article that listed some odds for us, and uh, Chicago Blackhawks are favored to win the Cup, uh, and their odds are five to seven. Those are pretty good odds. I don't know much about gambling odds, but those sound like pretty good. Um, the Lightning. Um, have six to five odds, so it, it's pretty close. It seems like, doesn't it, Otto? Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty interesting. You know, I I really uh, I really like the Black, you know the Blackhawks. They're um, I just I like I like their uh, how veteran the team is and how experienced they are. I think they've won two Stanley Cups in the you know in the past four or five years. So I really I really think the um, their experience gives them gives them an edge. Right. All right. So Otto, if you had to guess, um, which player would you say had the best odds of winning the Conn Smythe Award? If I had to guess, it would if uh, I think I think Jonathan Taze. I think I think he would be. He seemed to have a lot of uh, great goals. Um, you know do really well. Jonathan Tate is really good. Um I, I like I like Tyler Johnson um from Tampa as well. 
Okay, do, do me a favor. List list two more in the order that you think. Two more in the order that I think. Yeah, so you, you listed Jonathan Taze as probably having the best odds, and then you listed Tyrell Johnson. Wh- which two would come after that, in your mind? Um. Oh goodness gracious. Um. Maybe. Maybe. Um. No, I don't. Maybe. Uh. Well, maybe. Uh. Ben Bishop, if he has a really good series. Um, okay. He. He's uh he was he was the key in game seven against New York. He has he's done really well on the road, so um if, if Tampa Bay can pick up a couple wins at home, uh for some reason he's 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 done well on the road uh in the playoffs. Uh and then you know, maybe Patrick Kane if he stepped up in 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 the Stanley Cup. So um okay. Tyler Johnson and right. um so you you pretty much nailed what the odds say, Otto. You got okay. uh, you got exactly who was in the top four. Although uh, odds wise, you flipped the last two. So Jonathan Taze uh, comes in as the favorite with seven to two odds. Tyler Johnson is second, coming in at four to one. Patrick Kane comes in at nine to two in third, and Ben Bishop comes in at five to one. Actually, Ben Bishop is tied with Duncan Keith, also at five ah. to one. So. Uh, you did pretty there good. You, go. you did pretty good there. <laughs> it's almost like you there know you hockey go. a little bit. Oh my god! Yeah. Well, I mean, I was just kind of picking out the players who you know who, who really stepped up. Um, yeah. For, for both teams, so um, one of those guys. I mean, you know, one of those guys is, is going to win it, and I think for Tampa to win it, I think Ben Bishop is he's going to have to kind of do what he did against New York um, that final, you know, the final game. So. Right. All right. So um, at this point, Chicago is a slight favorite to win this thing. Um, who do you think is going to win, Otto? You know, I nothing. You know, there's there's several different advantages. Um, I think I think I like Chicago because of their experience, but uh, I like Tampa because Tampa's going to have the home ice and. Um, Having that kind of that last game at home, I th- I think it might give them an advantage. But if I would have to pick, I would pick Chicago and six in six games. Chicago and six. I just I, I, I like their game. I, I like their game. Um, I, I I like how their their big play big players come out, and I I think that the experience they're not gonna they're not gonna shy away. They know how this how how the Stanley Cup Finals go. So. I, I think Chicago's experience is going to give them their first Stanley Cup. All right. Now, who do you want? Who do you want to win? Who do I want to win? Yeah. You know, I, honestly, I, I I kind of want Tampa Bay to win because you know the past you know ten you know ten twelve years it seems like there's like a group of about five teams that have kind of traded back and forth to winning it. So it, it seems like Chicago's won it a couple times. It seems like the Kings have won it. You know, there's, there's like, you know, Boston's won it. There's, there's, a, there's a group of like four or five teams that kind of like traded back and forth on, on who's winning it. So, I I kind of want Tampa Bay to win because one, they're 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 underdog, and two, they're kind of in a non-traditional hockey market, and and you know, hopefully with uh, Tampa Bay winning it, it'll help grow the sport more in 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 yeah. Florida. Um, 
So I kind of want Tampa Bay to because they're the underdog. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of feel like the it. same way. I would like Tampa. Yeah, I want Tampa to win. Uh, for one thing, you know, we got local connections on that team. Uh, we got Tyler Johnson, yeah. who's from Spokane. Uh, even though, you know, he played for the Chiefs, so for me as an Americans fan, you know, I'm going to choose to forgive him for that. But, but he's a Spokane kid. He's a he's a Washington kid. He's a Northwest kid, and so I'm rooting for him. And, you know, he, you know, he didn't have the easiest path to get where he is. He's done it through hard work, uh, and so I respect that. And then the other local local connection is going to be Todd Lightwicky, uh, who used to be a former who was a former executive for the Seahawks and I believe the Sounders. Um, really good guy. Uh, really good. I mean, he helped put the Seahawks. He, he helped turn the Seahawks into the organization that they are now. It doesn't surprise yeah. me at all that he's involved with a championship-level team in hockey. I, I just wish that he could be involved with um, a Seattle fan, franchise of some kind in the future. Um, so that would be awesome. Um, because of those facts, I think it would be great to have Todd Lightwicky on board someday. Um, but, you know, we, we have no idea what's going to happen. We really don't. Uh, but back to the Stanley Cup Finals. Um you know, I, I kind of agree that I want Tampa to win. Uh, I kind of agree with your conclusion, though. I, I think Chicago's going to going to take this. Uh, I kind of think it might go seven games. Um, but I just think um, they, they have so much experience and so much guile, and they will know how to handle an offense like Tampa's. I mean, they have, first of all, they have a really good offense of their own, but they have, they also have a tough defense, it seems like to me. And, I think they're going to know what to do, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. So I I think that. Yeah. So I I do pick um, Chicago to win in seven games, uh, but I am rooting hard for Tampa Bay. Um, All right. We're going to take a short break. We actually have uh, a new segment from uh, NPR's Hockey Talk. And they, they've they done a segment for us for the Stanley Cup final. So uh, have a listen to this. And when we come back, we're going to talk to Neil Roberts about his, about his new podcast. Good afternoon. I'm Tiffany Amber Gleason. And I'm David Bowie Letterman. We'd like to welcome you to this special Stanley Cup edition of Hockey Talk here on WEPC NPR Seattle. Today's edition is indeed a special one for our listeners in advance of next week's season-concluding tilt between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Chicago Blackhawks. We've asked noted hockey expert George Jefferson Washington Lincoln Stone to join us. George, how are you this afternoon? I'm moving on up, David and Tiffany. Thanks for having me on the show. (laughs) The pleasure is ours. George, perhaps you could begin by telling our listeners and us the history of the Stanley Cup. Mm, Certainly. Well, unlike the trophies awarded by the other major professional sports leagues of North America, a new Stanley Cup is not made every year. Instead, the winning team keeps it until a new champion's crown. 
It's also unusual among trophies in that it has the names of all of the winning players, coaches, management, and club staff engraved on its chalice in teeny tiny print so small that even ants need magnifying glasses to read the name of the towel attendants and that guy that cleans the locker room toilet. Fascinating. Since the 1914-15 season, the Cup's been in one a combined 95 times by 18 active NHL teams and five defunct teams. Mm-hmm. The Montreal Canadiens have won the Cup a record 24 times and are currently the last Canadian-based team in the NHL to win the Cup after winning it in 1993. The Stanley Cup was not awarded in 1919 because of the Spanish flu epidemic and also in 2005 as a consequence of the 2004 05 uh, NHL lockout. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, thankfully, the only epidemic threatening the cup this year might be an epidemic of goals, you might say. <laughs> <laughs> the Ning boast a very impressive offense with team speed throughout their front line and a solid defense. Aptly summarized, David. However, if any team is up to the task of stopping Tampa Bay, it's the Chicago Blackhawks. They split the regular season series with Tampa winning 3-2 in a shootout on November 11th and losing 4-0 on February 27th. Both teams won their conference championships in seven games each, so the two finalists are evenly matched. Trenching insight indeed, Tiffany. Uh, This is probably the best matchup that hockey fans could hope for. I mean, you know, no disrespect to fans of the Anaheim Ducks or the New York Rangers, Mm -hmm. but starting this Wednesday, June 3rd, we're all going to be treated to a fantastic Stanley Cup. I know at the Bowie Letterman household, we couldn't be more excited. (laughs) I'm practically bursting out of my Birkenstocks with glee. (laughs) Normally, I reserve the first week of June for switching out the bumper stickers and getting the tires rotated on my Subaru Forester. But this year, I've done all that a week early. That's how excited I am for this matchup, gentlemen. Here, here. I couldn't have put it better myself, Tiffany. I don't think hockey fans have been this excited since they figured out how to put cheese inside pizza crust. Oh, speaking of game day eats, my kids are big-time Chicago fans. So we're going to be grilling a whole pack of vegan not dogs with gluten-free buns, vegan A's, and home-crocked hemp seed mustard. You're all welcome to join us. Yeah, that, uh, that's okay. I think I'm developed an intolerance towards soy. I, I, I'm sorry. Well, that was an uncomfortable silence. Coming up after the break, we review the possible top picks for the upcoming NHL draft and whom is slated to go first overall, Connor McDavid or Jack Eichel. Once again, I'd like to thank our correspondent, George Jefferson Washington Lincoln Stone, for joining us this segment. Uh, My pleasure. Yes, thank you, George. This is Hockey Talk on NPR. Folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey. Here we go. Drop that puck. 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 Take a 
see because you've just been sent to the sin bin with your host, recently returned from his forced deportation to Canada and that country's subsequent refusal to accept him, Paul Rogers. Back to our next segment of the Seattle Sinbin, and uh, as promised, uh, Mr. Neil Roberts has called in. Neil, how are you? I'm doing pretty good, Paul. How about yourself? I'm doing really good. And uh, Otto is Otto is on the line with us as well. Otto, say hi to Neil. Hey, how's it going, Neil? Pretty good, Otto. How are you doing today? Doing awesome. That's good, good. to hear. All right, so um, what Otto and I have been working on for the last month or so is uh, expanding the coverage of hockey for SeattleSendBin.com. Uh, it's no longer just a podcast called the Seattle Sendbin. It's it's a hockey website where we cover, uh, you know, pretty much everything you, there is there is about uh, hockey in the, in the Pacific Northwest. And one of the things we wanted to do was uh, start a second podcast. And we wanted it to be different from ours. We wanted it to be with a different vision. Um, and we chose Neil to do that. And uh, Neil, uh, your background is at Washington State University. And and you uh, had your own sports talk show um, at that college. So why don't you tell us a little bit about, about your background in broadcasting? So uh, about five, six years ago now, that my dad, who's also a WSU alum, took me over to Pullman. He was showing me around campus. And he got really excited when he saw the Merrill Building, which is where the Merrill Communication College, excuse me, is housed. And he's like, I got to go check out the station. And uh, he knew a lot of guys who used to work at KUGR uh, 95.1 FM. Uh, it's been turned into KUGR.org because it's only online now. It's been going on since 1955. Uh, the 1954-55 school year, its first uh, guy was Keith, its first main DJ was Keith Jackson. He was one of their early hires. And then most recently, me. I gr- I was there for four years. I had a talk show. Um, it bounced around a little bit. It wasn't on us that day. We had a Saturday. We started off with a Saturday at 8 a.m. Um, show that was Sports with Neil. Uh, I still do podcasts. I have a website for that as well, sportswithneil.com, if you guys want to check it out. Sorry, I had to plug myself there. Um, That's okay. But I did four years there, 100 episodes. Our actual, our, our final broadcast on the station was about four a month ago now, and it was the final 100th as well. It was a lot of fun. Um, you learn a lot doing 100 episodes of a show, you learn how to tune in, tone, and bring in a show, get guests, and it's a lot of fun, and it's something that I plan to go use going forward over at Sports with Neil and as well as with the new uh, podcast, Puck Talk. Now, I, I know that you probably um, would would like to do this. For, is, is, is this something that you want to do for a living eventually? I mean, obviously, you'd have to earn more than what I'm paying you which happens to be zero. <laughs> it's okay. I'm paying myself um, it, zero at Sports O'Neill, too. Yeah. Is this something you'd like to do for a career? Oh, yeah. I'd absolutely love to sit down and talk for two, three hours about sports. I mean, I do that anyway, but it'd be nice to get paid for it and not right. to annoy my friends and family who aren't as obsessed with sports as I am. Right. And, okay. And instead talk to an uh, engaged audience. Right, right, right. Okay, um, 
And so I, I don't think I've ever, I've told you this, Neil, and I'm, I'm not sure that I've told anyone this, so this is going to be kind of breaking news. But um, one of the reasons I decided to start the Seattle Sinbin podcast was because of you. Um, Hello. I, I can't well, remember. Thank you. I can't remember. Well, I can't remember what month it was, uh, but we were talking. Uh, I think we were talking about the Tequila thing. Yes, we um, were. It was Sabi's arena. I think the te- or the Sabi land. Yeah, I think. Yeah, the the Sabi news had just broken, and you invited me onto your show, and I I called in, and you know I we must have talked for twenty minutes or something like that, and I enjoyed it so much that the next week I wanted to start my own podcast, and that's what I did, and and so we just ran with it. So uh, you had a hand in starting the show, so I want you to know that. Um, well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. It was great having you on too. And that was a great interview for us. Yeah, I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Okay, so you and I are kind of in a similar boat here in that uh, we're both coming at our broadcast from the point of view of hockey fans who don't really know a ton about hockey. So um, with that in mind, why don't you tell us how, what your vision – first of all, what's the show called, what's your vision for the show, and what do you hope to accomplish? So the show is, uh, it's as of right now, tentatively called Puck Talk, and I might change that down the road depending on what. I feel like as I go along, um, it's at the current point, it's going at the angle of educating the new fan, teaching them the rules. Uh, I had Doug Taylor on the last episode. He talked about icing, uh, how time in the penalty box is determined, as well as what kind of positional roles are on the rink. And so it's kind of an idea to break fans into it slowly and so they can learn more info and eventually go into more detail as they're going along. Eventually, I'd like to start talking about what different offensive strategies or attacks can do and how teams can respond defensively and stuff like that. Because I'm really into the analytical kind of stuff and talking about the analysis of a game or a sport. Um, for those of you, if any of you ever listen to sports and you listen to me, you notice I like to go into detail about what a play was doing and event, what happened in a play and then breaking down how that happened. Uh, and that's where I'd kind of like to take puck talk once I become more educated and as the audience becomes more educated about the sport of hockey. Because, you know, I've only been to a handful of Silvertips games since they came into existence in 2004. So it's, I don't really have that hockey education that a lot of them do. And as a result, I would like to break people in and then eventually move into that an- analysis of plays, especially once Seattle gets an NHL team, if that happens, breaking down key plays from the week before as we go forward and, you know, hopefully there's playoffs in there as well and talking about play that influence the playoffs. Hello? Sorry about that. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can. Okay. Sorry about that. I muted myself. Um, so you had, a, you had a good opening broadcast last week. And uh, Doug was with you then, and you're, I believe you're recording your next broadcast tomorrow. Um, Correct. We haven't really settled, yeah, we haven't really settled on um, the regular day of the week that you're going to try to do this, but uh, you are going to try to do this once a week, aren't you? Yeah, I'm, as of right now, the plan is uh, weekly as long as I don't get thrown too many curveballs by work. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, the paying job no. always takes priority. No question about that. Um, so since you started this, have you, uh, have you been watching any of the hockey games? I mean, the, the playoffs have been really exciting so far, actually. 
Um, unfortunately, no. I've been, as I said, busy with work as well as uh, getting moved back into my parents' house after graduating from Holman. So okay. my time has been completely consumed. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. And so tell me, one of the segments on your show is called Pick Your Poison. Tell me what that's about. <laughs> Pick Take Your Poison is a pretty simple, fun way to introduce the guests and kind of their taste. It's mostly about what they're drinking, um, normally beer, probably, if they're anything like me. And so I uh, – <laughs> sorry about that. My dad's trying to interrogate me at the moment. Um, I – it's just a fun little way to introduce guests and whatnot, and myself as well, because I, I generally like craft beers, and I'll discuss those quite a bit during that segment down the road, but – it is what it is. It's just a little bit of fun before the show starts. All right. Okay. Well, um, Neil, I want to thank you for doing this. Uh, you know, one of the things that I've discovered as we try to build this website is that I need help and I need other people to contribute. So uh, all the help I can get. And it's good to have someone with some broadcasting background to help out. And, uh, you know, just want people to know as as time goes on, we're going to settle on a regular schedule for these things. And uh, Neil's going to get more and more comfortable with this podcast that he's doing now. And what was the name of your website again, Neil? Uh, Sports with Neil and Friends. That's sportswithneil.com. Sportswithneil.com. All right. Yeah. So check that out. And uh, do you have a Twitter handle? Uh, at NVR93 is mine. At NVR93. All right, Neil, thanks for coming on. We look, I look forward to hearing your, your podcast later this week. All right, thanks for having me on, and uh, I'll get that to you as soon as it's ready. All right, okay. thanks, Neil. Thanks. All right, when we, when we come back, I want to thank Neil for coming on. When we come back, Otto and I uh, are going to discuss the, uh, the situation in Tukwila. There's a meeting going on right now as we speak. And uh, we're just going to talk about the latest arena news. So uh, hang on for a few minutes, and we'll see you on the other side. The Vancouver Canucks Team Store is the only place to get all your authentic Vancouver Canucks merchandise. $22 keychains. $45 t-shirts made in Indonesia, but but screen-printed in Canada. The Vancouver Canucks Team Store, where the players shop. Because making $5 million a year is the only way you can afford this crap. at your local Volkswagen dealers.
folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Drop that puck! 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 Take a seat, because you've just been sent to the sin bin with your host, Paul Rogers, who is a college graduate. We're all Eastern, which Ed. That's what it said in the yearbook, Jim. Uh-huh. All right, I want to welcome everyone back to our final segment of this week's Seattle Sinbin podcast. And uh, Otto and I are back. And uh, Otto, there's some interesting things going on in the arena world today. Um, we, you know, we continue to monitor uh, what's going on in Tequila. Uh, last night they had a meeting with the city council and they were talking about the process of the arena. And, uh, tonight they are having, uh, what's called a public scoping meeting, um, to where the public can come in and, and just make comments about what's going on. And, you know, I, I was looking at Chris Daniels tweets. He's there. Of course, Chris Daniels is always there for things like that. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm going to read a couple of his tweets. Um, this one's from almost an hour ago. He says, by the way, just a handful of people showed up at the Tequila, the Tequila Arena briefing. Uh, architects acknowledged it's in a, in a very early process. And then he said, but I'm here. As I said before, I go to meetings so you don't have to. So it sounds like it might be kind of a boring meeting. Um, but not many people showing up. Can you imagine that having, you know, a meeting like that uh, in Soto and hardly any people showing up? Well, I remember when um, when we used to have council, uh, the city council meeting when the Sox were still here, and um, there there were several Sox fans. But what I did notice were, was there was a lot of fans who were not fans, but a lot of people there who who were not supportive of the Sonics or, or um, those efforts. So. Um, you know, it might actually be good that there's not too many people in the audience because, you know, it, there, there might not be a lot of uh, opposition down in Tequila uh, for this arena, yeah, that, so, which, is, which would be helpful. That's the sense I get. That's the sense I get. I and, mean, you know, you know, let's be honest. The fact that this is privately funded probably uh, helps in that, oh, yeah. in that regard. Um, but, you know, I, I do think there's just less red tape in Tequila. Um and, you know, let's see, another tweet from Daniels about this. And first of all, there's a couple new renderings that Daniels tweeted out from this meeting. Um, kind of, a, there's still kind of a bland couple of uh, renderings of the arena, but, you know, any, any, any rendering of arena is good for me. But he says, he tweets out, Lloyd Skinner, a consultant for the city of Tequila, says that Tequila uh, Arena would meet LEED status. I honestly have no idea what that means. And hold up to 230 events a year. 
Skinner also says Tequila Arena's SEPA scoping process would wrap up June 12th, um, and then the EIS process is supposed to last six to 12 months uh, with with other votes needed after. So um, it sounds like this could, uh, you know, we we were thinking earlier when when uh, the first uh, application for SEPA was made. I think we were thinking this could be done as soon as maybe October or November. From that, it almost sounds like it's going to be December or so. Um, what do yeah. you think of that? Yeah, it, um, you know, these things. Uh, based on, what's that? No, go ahead. Based, yeah, based on what um, what what I see, what I've seen, I saw uh, a report or an article uh, talking about how the the draft EIS, you know, they're going to do the they're going to do the scoping notice. They had the public meeting tonight. They're going to review the comments. The comments close on, and so people can still go out and uh, put some comments in regards to the EIS uh, on the Tequila website. And then, uh, then the draft the draft EIS is supposed to be done by the end of the summer and the 30-day comment period. And then the final EIS what between six to 12 months. So we could be looking yeah. at a final EIS done by you know first quarter 2016. Yeah, and consider yeah. we just considering we just went through a two and a half year process to get to this point in Seattle. Uh, that's yeah. that's astonishing that that it could happen that quick. But you know, once again, we don't we don't have the resistance down there. We don't have the Mariners uh, spouting off. We don't have the Port of Seattle spouting off. Uh, and of course, it is privately funded, so it's just naturally going to go quicker. Um, and you know it's it's a town that has a history of getting things done quickly and a history of cutting through red tape. So this doesn't surprise me at all. But it is refreshing to, to see that happen. And uh, you know there's a YouTube video. I'm going to post it in in the article for the podcast uh, later tonight. But there's a YouTube video of last night's city council meeting when they're when they were discussing the arena process. And they you know it's about a 15 minute video. But one of the things that struck me. Um, was that, you know, nothing they said was really earth-shattering. But I didn't, you know, as the, there there was a city employee that was making the presentation. And you know how when we were going through this in Soto, all those different meetings, how confrontational it was? And, you know, sometimes the city council members being confrontational with the witnesses and vice versa. These guys were just asking really friendly questions and just accepting yeah. answers. Um, and it, it was just, I couldn't believe it. It didn't seem like a city council meeting. And maybe you can make an argument that maybe they're a little too accepting and they're not uh, <laughs> digging in hard enough. But, you know, yeah. I mean, those people that yeah, would say Paul, that that needs to happen, I say baloney. <laughs> I, I like a city that get, tries to get stuff done. So Paul, I, I, I applaud them for being that. I I do like that um you know things get done quicker in Tequila um but hope you know uh, to that point though uh, this was the first uh council briefing uh kind of like you know uh, uh just a overall kind of view of, of the entire process my hope is sure as we go forward there's going to be some more pertinent questions but not questions and and which would require more committees and more, you know, just more uh, bureaucracy and more red tape. But, like, questions, we resolve those questions, and then we keep on going through the process. That's yeah. my hope. Yeah. 
And, you know, you and I have been consistent on this. I think we both uh, would prefer that Soto is the one that where this gets is the place where this gets done. But, you know, I, I'm at the point where I'm just uh, whoever crosses that finish line first um, yeah. is going to be OK in my book. So, uh, you know, kudos to Ray Bartizek for getting this process going. Uh, kudos to the city of Tukwila for being so open to it. And let's just see what happens. Um you know, things are getting weird in Milwaukee again. We just don't know what's going to happen there. Uh, that thing could either get done or blow up. And, you know, there there's a scenario where we could have the Bucks in a year or two. Uh, but we can't count on that happening. Um, and so, for my mind, um, at the moment, NHL first seems more likely. Uh, and to me, uh, unless and, – and, and this is on – you know, this is on the NHL investors in, in Soto. I, I really I believe Chris Hansen when he tells me that he hasn't gotten a proposal um, from the Soto investors, so from from the NHL investors. Um, and if Soto, if if NHL is going to be the first franchise to arrive, um, it seems like Tequila would have the advantage. But you know, if the NHL investors in Seattle don't uh, give Chris something to consider, there's not much he can do, is there? Right. No, I mean, you know, I've seen some talk where it might not even pencil out for the NHL investor to to whatever Chris Hansen's demands are, that it might not just be financially viable what Chris is looking for, what the city especially is looking for. Those are the, that's the that's another key piece. Is the city yeah. you know, the the NHL investor would have to meet what the city's asking for. So it might not even be a point where that's it's even close enough to offer a proposal. Like, let's say the city and Hanson are looking for a combined, I don't know, just throwing out a number, a combined $300 million investment from the NHL group. And the NHL group is saying, for $300 million, we're going to, you know, we're going to lose our lunch. You know, we can come with uh-huh. 100. And Hanson's like, well, yeah. I mean, you know what I'm saying? That it might not even be close enough where you can even have like a formal, uh, you know, a, a real formal dialogue. But, you know. Right, but. But Chris was saying, Hanson was saying they haven't even sent him bullet points on a plan. So, you know, it sounds like they just really haven't even brought him anything informally, which is disappointing to me. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, but you know, that's true. Then, you know, that's 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 interesting. You know, I, I must I might I might have read a uh, like a earlier report because I swear I read a report about something about he wasn't presented a formal offer. Um, it, it might have been an early P, early article from um, the AP. So. Um, yeah, yeah. It's hard to really know what's going on behind the scenes. Um, and, you know, frankly, there's nothing you and I can do about what's going on behind the scenes. So for me, yeah. um, I'm, I'm rooting for Soto to get this done because I think it's the best location. Uh, but I am not married to Soto in any way, shape or form. I, I could I could deal with Tuckwill just fine. Um, yeah, if they are going to put the effort forward to get this done, so yeah, and that's, and that's it, the thing. It will you know, be I, interesting. I know. Um, go ahead. No, I, I was done. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> and that, and that's the thing. It's you know, I, I, you know, we've kind of made it clear, um, you know, in, in the Stocks Rising community and on the podcast, you know, but I think it needs to be reiterated that both of us favor uh, a solo first option, even though. Well, you know, for the both, at least especially for me, it would be much more advantageous for this thing to be built at Tukwila for me. It would be a shorter commute. 
uh, and an easier way, you know, access for me to get there. So, uh, but I, I feel that uh, uh, the financial aspect of the financial security of the team, I think, is best suited to happen in Seattle. But like you said, if Sequoia can get us a team, if if NHL in Soto, um, it's n- it might not happen because of whatever reason, then you know they can play in a barn in Auburn, and you know I'm gonna you know I'm gonna go. I you know I don't really care, you know yeah the the cool arena doesn't look sexy, but I'm not I'm not I don't care what it looks like on the outside. If if our team is performing well and doing great and our fans are into it, I don't care what the outside looks like. I mean, I know some people yeah. are hard about how it looks like a box, but I mean, I mean, really? <sighs> well, on, you know, I guys. think people need to remember. People need to remember these are just initial sketches in basic shapes. Uh, we don't know what LED displays might be outside of it. We don't know. Um, you know, just think about how much the the Hanson Arena has evolved in the last two to three years. It's it's yeah. I mean, you know, the same the same basic cone shape is there, but. You know the uh, the fancy stuff on the outside has has changed over time, um, and you know once the renderings start getting more detailed, I, I just can't believe it's going to look really bland. But I'm like you, I don't care, honestly. I mean, look, one, having one that looks really cool would be nice, but as long as the amenities are there, as long as the footprint is there, as long as the NHL is okay with it, and as long as the NBA is, is okay with it. Um, you know, I, I don't care if it looks like the prettiest arena I've ever seen. You know, frankly, yeah. if you look at Safe, if you look at Safeco Field from the outside, it's ugly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and yeah. you know, you once you get inside Safeco, you see that it's one of the best stadiums in Major League Baseball. But from the outside, right. you know, it looks like uh, an old rail yard or something. And you know, <laughs> so. The, the outside of the arena for me is not the issue. The issue is what the inside is going to be like, you know, how comfortable are the seats going to be, uh, what are the sight lines going to be like, do they have the wide concourses, do they have enough bathrooms, um, you know, do they do they have some high-tech stuff going on on the inside. You can't see that stuff from the outside in initial rendering. So, you know, to me, exactly. you know, let's just, let's just give it a chance. You know, th- these are just initial renderings. And, you know, how long was it before we had some really cool renderings from Sonics Arena? Um, I, I want to, yep. going back to 2012, I want to say we first started hearing about the arena in March or something like that. And you know, I, I, I don't think it was until, yeah, until sometime later that summer uh, when we started seeing some really cool renderings that, that got us excited. And, and so we yeah. just got to remember that. We got to give these guys a chance with the architectural stuff and you know to me the uh the uh what's the word the eye candy stuff uh that'll probably come later but it's just not much not something that i care all that much about so yeah no i mean that it's you know i performance of the team and inside amenities like you said you know if if those are going to be the keys you know i mean we talked about the seahawks you know you know, whenever we talk about the Seahawks, do we talk about how great the skating looks? I mean, some people might, right? But I mean, so yeah. Well, that's for a, the first few years, cool the, yeah, for the first few years of the few years of the stadium, that is what we talked about because that's all we had to talk about. 
Um, yeah. But, no, what we talk about with the Seahawks, uh, I mean, I think everyone is aware this is probably still a top five NFL stadium, would you say? Um, I, I think it has that reputation. I think it should get a Super Bowl. I, I think it's a tremendous oh, yeah. facility. But, no, what we talk about is what an amazing organization that Paul Allen has built. And, you know, Mike Holmgren and, and Todd Lightwicky, Todd Lightwicky helped get that started years ago. And, you know, now uh, Pete Carroll um, and, oh, God, I forgot the general manager's name. Oh, uh, John Schneider. Yeah, John Schneider. Can't believe I forgot that. Um, we, we talk about what a tremendous organization the team has built. We talk about the culture that Pete Carroll has put together. We talk about how they, they took a crappy roster and turned it around into a Super Bowl squad in three years. Uh, we talk about uh, having a franchise quarterback that they're trying to sign. We talk about having the best secondary in the NFL. We don't talk about the arena now. The arena is just where they play. And, you know, at, I think we don't really even talk about Safeco that much anymore, other than the wet mound for, from last night, apparently. Um, yeah. But, you know, they're both world-class facilities, but it's the organization that that puts things together. Right. right. And Safeco is a little more different because people people go out there just so they can kind of it's – it's, it's a place to go to hang out. And you know, like watch the dancing, the the dancing ground crew, and play the hydroplane races. You know, because I mean, look, they've had really good attendance even all those years where the Mariners consistently been losing. So Seiko, you know, maybe has been a little more of a destination because it's nice and you want to spend some time outdoors. But you know, in the winter time, I mean, you're going to be indoors. You're not going to be, you know, you're not looking at anything outside. So yeah, yeah. Okay, um, so yeah, there, there's not a lot of earth-shattering news arena-wise right now. I mean, um, we're waiting to see uh, if the NHL guys come forward with, an, with a proposal to Chris Hansen and the councils. Uh, other than that, I, you know, we're still waiting to hear if there's going to be something developing in Bellevue. I don't, I don't think we've heard anything about that in the last month. Um, no. You know, so th- there's a lot going on. Um, but right now, most of it's behind the scenes. And so there's not a whole lot to talk about other than what's going on in other cities. And I don't really want to go into the Milwaukee situation. Um, no. You know, it, I think it's enough to say that uh, things are unstable there at the moment and we should watch it. But I don't really want to be a vulture. And the same thing, by the way, goes for goes for Glendale. Um, there's... Uh, that that's a little further down the pike, I think, Glendale, but, you know, that's also a situation to watch. But, you know, all we can do is worry about our own house and uh, and get everything as far along as we can for the time that, oppor- that the opportunity finally comes along. So, yeah. Right. I mean, uh, I mean, yeah. that's, that's kind of the, you know, that's kind of the, that's kind of the key. You know, one of the commenters on Sonic's Rise asked me, yeah, so what do you what do you want to happen, or what do you think is going to happen in Glendale? And, and you know, my my position has always been, you know, I would never want to take away a team from another city from another fan base. That would not be right. my preference, right? But right, we have to get our house, like you said, we have to get our house in order. We have to be ready. There is yeah. a team that is going to leave. That we have to be ready we want, for that opportunity. Yeah, we so, want it you know, to be and, here that they come to. 
Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we we need to be ready for possibility for the Bucks. You know, we need to be possibly ready, maybe, uh, for the Coyotes, maybe for the Panthers, maybe for the Hurricanes. I mean, there's, there's or several. Or for expansion. Or for expansion, exactly. You know, which would be by yeah. preference. That way we're not destroy, yeah. we're not having any weird, you know, who owns what history and, you know, weird weird rules around that. So, um, you know, but I just want a team, you know, and I would prefer expansion, but relocation, if that's more likely or more of a probable path, then, you know, we need to be ready for that. Yeah. Okay, so new topic. Um, I watched the last period of the Memorial Cup the other day, and yeah. uh, you know I, I have to say I um, I don't like Kelowna uh, because they're kind of the they're kind of the bully of the WHL, and I uh, yeah. they were stolen from the city of Tacoma, so you know I, I yeah. have love for Tacoma and I, I sympathy for those guys, but you know as much as I don't like Kelowna. I, I was a little bit sad when they lost the game, I, you know, because they were the local guys, and it would have been cool to have someone from the WHL uh, just north of the U.S. division uh, take that thing. Did you get to see any of that? Yeah, you know, I watched uh, watched a good portion of the uh, uh, the second and third 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 half. I think I I think I started watching when it was one one. Uh, I unfortunately missed the overtime, but. You know, uh, I definitely got a little SEC, SEC going on with me. You know, I don't, you know, I don't have anything against, you know, the Rockets other than, you know, they're, you know, they're taken from Tacoma. But, you know, I don't see the Rockets as like a regional rival. So it's not like Portland or Spokane, you know, where I wouldn't really root for them to win because they're a regional rival or Everett, right? So, you right. know, um and it's not it's not like in college basketball or college football where you you know you win a national championship actually will impact your performance in regards to like getting recruits and things like that. I I don't believe that's how there's a draft system uh, in the WHL. So it's not it's not as if um, if they win the Memorial Cup that you know they can get all the players they want. So there's not really that here right. in the matter. But I think it was. If they would have won the Memorial Cup, I think that would help increase the profile of the WHL and perhaps even get us a, a, a television, television contract in the U.S. division where we can get you know a few more games on Root Sports. But that's not to be. <laughs> right. All right. Um, so there was an, there's another piece of news, and we're going to cover this more in future episodes, but – there, uh, little known to many in the state of Washington, there's actually another hockey te- hockey franchise in the city of Wenatchee. And Otto, what's going on with the Wenatchee Wild? Well, the Wenatchee Wild, um, I, I I am not 100 percent sure what the previous league they were in before, but my understanding was they, you know, their closest competitor was like you know 1,200 miles or 1,400 miles away. So there was a ton of travel uh, uh, for this league. Now, um, they just recently, uh, there was an official announcement yesterday by the Wenatchee Wild that uh, the commissioner of the BCHL, which is the British Columbia Hockey League, uh, they, 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 they kind of let the cat out of the bag about, uh, about two or three weeks ago um, 
what's happening is when actually while they're joining the British uh, Columbia Hockey League, um, it's, it's obviously a lot closer. And uh, when actually will be the first uh, American team since uh, they had a, a belly, uh, there was a Bellingham Miley team in it, but it will be the first American team since Bellingham um, since Bellingham had had a team to be in the British Columbia Hockey League. And, and my understanding, uh, based on um, other fans, other people talking, is that Wenatchee would kind of be uh, immediately at the top of the list and being able to dominate. I didn't, under, I didn't know this, but Wenatchee, apparently they average between 2,500 to 3,000 fans a game, which that wow. level, you know, bordering on WHL, uh, Canadian Hockey League uh, attendance level. So, Obviously, Wenatchee has a huge support for base in Central Washington, and um, and you know they're gonna their fans are gonna their fans are I know they love it because they're gonna actually be able to do, go on some road trips to actually go see some games in person instead of like you know right. uh, teams in Alaska or teams in Texas. So I know the yeah. fans love it, and um, you know I think this is a gr- great step for Wenatchee, and I'm excited to see. Uh, when they actually dominate the British Columbia Hockey League. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm really going to try and go up and travel up there and catch a game or two this year. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Um, and I might even uh, take Kevin and his Goda with me since he lives there. Oh, uh, oh, he lives in that, Wenatchee. That'd be a little weird. Yeah, he lives in Wenatchee. You gotta, um, you gotta, you gotta uh, drag him to that game. <laughs> Well, he's he's been to them before, and he's told me about it. Oh, he says okay. he says it's a pretty good product. Uh, he says he says it's a fun product. Uh, he's not normally a hockey guy, but he's he said that it's a pretty good deal they got going there. And um, so yeah, um, Kevin and I have talked about checking out a game together there, and maybe we'll get to do that this year. But that brings us to the end of this broadcast tonight. And uh, next week, I'm actually, uh, you know. I don't want to promise this, but I'd like to talk to someone from the Wenatchee organization about this move that they're making. Um, and uh, so I'm going to try and get a hold of them. I can't promise anything, but I think I'd like to talk to someone, maybe even their coach or something, or the GM or something like that. But that brings us to the end of the, the show tonight. Otto, thanks as usual for joining me. Thank you. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks to Neil Roberts for coming on and telling us about his new podcast. And I, I encourage you guys to check that out. Um, and by the way, we're, we're still doing game threads for every NHL playoff game for the rest of the playoffs. So if you want, if you can't make it to the angry Bieber, uh, for any game, you know, my, my understanding is that's the place to go and the funnest place to watch a game. But if you can't do that, uh, swing by seattlesimbin.com. We have a game thread up for every, uh, Stanley cup final cup final game. Um, and we can, uh, share the experience online. So, uh, Thanks to all of you for joining us once again tonight, and we will see you next week. Joining us in the Sin Bin with Paul Rogers.